Welcome back to episode 26 of Anime Deep Dive, the podcast that does in-depth reviews of different anime series. Due to the extent which plot points will be discussed, a spoiler warning will now be in effect. This is a spoiler review, so if you haven't seen a series and are only looking for a recommendation, there will be a timestamp in the episode description you can skip to called Final Thoughts. This section will be spoiler-free where I get my overall opinion on a series and whether or not I think it's worth your time to watch it. So now that that's out of the way, let's deep dive into Hybrid Heart. Released in 2016 by production IMS, it has 12 episodes and comes in sub only. As for how I discovered the series, I saw a poster on Crunchyroll and it looked fire. I call the series Hybrid Heart, it has a longer title and I've seen different variations of it, but I just like to keep it simple so I'm just going to refer to it as Hybrid Heart. Just like my first girlfriend is a gal, Hybrid Heart is censored with huge coverings on Crunchyroll. During my re-watching of this review, I did use the censored version just because I had already seen what was exactly going on underneath. Getting right into the opening scene, I was confused to say the least. It drops you right into the action in more ways than one. The switch between the naughty arts of the bedroom and the robots exploding was a lot to take in. I will say that the electronic grass monitoring when Hyrule was fully charged is convenient to say the least. I think all guys could have benefited from one of those devices in high school. This opening is later shown to be part of the final battle which I hated. I wish they would have just saved it for the end. It added nothing to the introduction of the story and then I was forced to re-watch something I had already seen. It made no sense. The story should have started with Kizuna losing his way trying to reach headquarters while being summoned to the Ataraxia Academy. During which Kizuna discovers a beautiful silvered haired woman named Ayane. During their introduction, the Ataraxia falls under attack, at which point INA shows she is no regular girl. Stripping down to a pilot suit, she transforms into heart hybrid gear. These advanced mechanics are used to fight the Magitac weapons from an alternate dimension that has placed humanity under attack. Hybrid gear has a battery of sorts that is most effectively charged through arousal and intimacy. That is why Kizuna, who is equipped with gear himself, has been brought back to the academy to perform sexual acts with different girls who possess hybrid gear. Kizuna is one lucky guy. Imagine being him. It's going to be a rough day at the office. I need to find new ways of having multiple girls reach ecstasy. I roared when he first had to help INA and is getting on-the-job training from his sister. Can't be much more awkward than that. The way he begins blindly following her instructions, thinking he's probably going to be doing CPR or something, then freaks out like, wait, what am I doing? Kizuna uses gear arrows. The suit at first does not seem designed for combat, Kizuna is mostly used as a meat shield. When he does get some offensive capabilities, he's damn near Gilgamesh from the Fate series, with the guns of Babylon. I will say I thought his gear design was by far the best looking. Something I had a problem with in regards to all the gear in this series is I recognize that it's not exactly armor, but I mean come on, it covers nothing. I understand the main focus of the series is showing skin, I get that. But one stray bullet or sword to the chest, these characters are dead. They are so exposed, especially in their chest and stomach regions. No cover for the vital organs at all. Kizuna's purpose in this series is just to be used. Once the girls discover the power Kizuna can give them, they compete for him. INA at first makes it clear she's only using him for a charge. Yurisha is more sweet and caring to Kizuna, which I feel was the better approach. And Hairu does it under the strict understanding it's because she's forced to for work. INA is a savage off the rip. She approaches Kizuna insulting his intelligence and belittling him. She also comes off as very cocky during the beginning of the series. For INA's introduction battle, I love that Ataraxia is equipped with these secret compartments filled with weapons. When the rifle doesn't work at long range, INA smashes the Megitech with the gun before putting the barrel in its grill and blowing it apart. 
That was great. Aina uses Heart Hybrid Gears Eros. Her gear is based on physical enhancement. While we see her use a gun from time to time, flying around and shooting enemies down, Aina shined most when she would just power punch through something. We also see that she has quite the inferiority complex, always comparing herself to the other gear users. Her belief is she is the most suited to use gear, therefore no one should be better than her in battle. Aine feels equal to Yurisha after taking down a Dragory. If I was around, I would have let her have known that Yurisha defeating an A-class enemy was way more impressive just to piss Aine off. Aine came to the academy as a child with no memory of who she was. Taken in by the laboratory, Aine, just like Kizuna, was experimented on at a young age, being given hybrid gear. Even after Kizuna and Aine had their long talk, realizing they had similar issues growing up, it seemed like they bonded, but when they do climax hybrid, I still felt like she was using him. Aine's immoral weapon was dope though, it completely obliterated a fleet. We come to realize Aine is actually from the enemy dimension. Her sister shows up as a cliffhanger for season 2, which will never happen. Aine's kink was public embarrassment, and her best moment was, hold on, there's one more thing I want you to eat, followed instantly by a crotch shot. That was actually pretty funny. Then we have Yurisha, who is the more flirtatious and open of the three main girls. Her rack size is so big, especially when in her gear, it looks non-human. Yurisha's gear, Keros, is weaponized with energy cannons. It seems like the most destructive and effective when dealing with large numbers of enemies. Yurisha is similar to Eagle from Girly Air Force. Blonde hair aside, she has the highest kill count, around 300. I really liked her gear's targeting system, and the Hellfire Blast against the Dragory on the island was awesome. Her immoral weapon looked like something you could build out of snap cubes, the blocks they used to make you use in school. Did anyone else have those? When the love room enters the equation, we learn Yurisha is kinky. Her taste is the sex dungeon complete with cuffs and blindfolds. Hairu is the proper girl of the bunch. She's not only embarrassed by sexual behavior, she's pretty against it. The only reason she agrees to it with Kizuna is in order to continue fighting for humanity and completing missions. Hairu's first charge was achieved by an emotional connection to Kizuna instead of a physical one which I felt suited her personality nicely. Her gear Naros is fitted with sharp blades that can be used as a regular sword or be shot as projectiles. Unique as it is, I feel Hairu's fighting capabilities pale in comparison to Yurisha. Hairu had a traumatic incident that has burdened her for some time, being unable to protect the people she swore to against the Megitech attack. This makes her reckless charging at the enemy with no plan. Stupid as that was, Hairu still having memories from a charred stuffed bear made me feel for her. And the stuck up ones are some of the freakiest, a cat girl fantasy, that's what she's into? Next we have Rari who is not only Kizune's sister, but the principal of the academy and commander of Amaterasu. On the one hand she hooked Kizuna up with the best job ever, on the other hand I don't think she needed to film it and expose him to the entire school on his first day. Once she reveals if a pilot's hybrid count reaches zero they'll die, Kizuna damn near becomes a first responder. His duties are life and death. It would be immoral for him to not continuously hook up with all these different girls. Next we have Aldia who is our henchman villain. She's from the other side of the entrance. Her gear makes her look like Vulture from Spider-Man. I enjoyed the fact she seemed extremely overpowered. From her dope staff, moving objects with her mind to her purple protective barrier, her arsenal seemed a lot more advanced than our main girls. Then we had Grabble. I don't think they put a label on it, but she's like Aldea's booty call. I loved her gunsword mixture of a weapon, and I also appreciated the villains mentioning on Earth that it drains their magical powers more rapidly, it set them up to become stronger down the line. I had no problem with the Masters team, but I didn't care about them either. 
they would have been better used brought into a season too early on. There was far too many of them and they weren't introduced at all so I didn't care when they got wrecked. The one interesting thing that I loved was Scarlet's X-Missile Launcher, it was awesome. I really like Sylvia, she was a great helper taking care of Kizuna. But she's a middle schooler so when they gave her a core I got really grossed out. But Taros was absolute fire, Sylvia's gear outshined everyone on both sides. The only music worth mentioning in this series is when Sylvia uses her immoral weapon to seal the giant explosion. There is a lovely piano playing in the background and while it sounds great, it did not fit this scene at all. This city is being destroyed, Sylvia is going full power, putting her all into this final move. It deserved like an intense electric guitar, not something you hear at a piano recital. Then we have the mom who is just a trash bag, she experimented on her own son when he was a toddler. Then threw him aside when she felt he was no longer useful. Told him she didn't need him anymore, hard work means nothing without talent to back it up. If you have no talent, there's nothing to hone. That is quote of the series right there, just to highlight what a terrible person she is. To add on to her horrible actions, we see her push the limits of her research, killing pilots just to get data. Her own daughter refers to her as that woman. The major fail of this series in my opinion is from the first episode we are led to believe humanity has been pushed to the outskirts and the world that we know has been decimated. So when Kizuna arrives in Japan to face his mother and it appears to be a functional society, he looks crazy standing there in gear. This is where the episode ended and I had worked the next few days and I didn't have time to watch the next episode right away. Maybe that made it worse, but I was just thinking, wow, how could this happen? Was the world not completely destroyed like we first thought? Has everyone been living secluded for no reason all this time? I thought that was why Kizuna's mother abandoned her family to explore what was going on. Then I was thinking, did his mother somehow rebuild a society with the enemy tech? I had all these questions I couldn't wait to be answered, so days later when I did have a chance to watch the next episode, it was just a hologram. The show did nothing cool with this scene. People are just in an illusion. I was extremely disappointed. This was the one point I thought could have saved this series from being an etchy come look at anime titties extravaganza to an actual show with a decent twist. As for the animation in this series, the design budget went completely to the Megatech weapons. Their soldiers and ships look great. Sometimes seeing them next to our main characters was embarrassing just how much cleaner they looked. The animation was shoddy at a lot of points during this season. During INA hitting the heavy bag, the punches weren't bad, but her sway movements from side to side looked really awkward. There's a scene where Aldea strikes Kizuna and he goes flying back. It was super choppy and looked horrible. The animation was really lacking there as well. At one point there's a shot of a character typing on a computer and their hands and fingers are just shaking over the keyboard. Like this series had a lot of stiff animation. Alright, now we're going to get into some nitpicks. If Yurisha's hybrid count was below 20% before their mission to the island, why didn't Kizuna and her bump uglies before leaving so she was charged? They had to rush in on the beach in a life or death situation while the enemy just conveniently waited. During Hyru's first heart hybrid, it tried to set up that Kizuna had caught her as she fell, but when it pulls out to a wide shot, she did fall flat on her ass and he just wrapped his arms around her. She was on the ground, he didn't catch her at all, which was the entire setup for why they connected. The fact these characters have time to delve into full conversations and complete climax hybrid in the middle of battles while their teammates are fighting is crazy. Especially when they drop the love room in the battlefield, like if I was on the other side I would just blow that up. Hey Yurisha and Scarlet, let's look at these four high def screens of your friends dying in battle and us at their funerals. Such an aphrodisiac. 
Now let's have a three-way. Like what the actual hell? After Grabble and Aldea get whooped, during their escape they have enough time to fly past Ayane and say next time you'll be mine. If she could hear that, she could have also finished them off right there. Kizuna bringing up life-size nude holograms of the girls for educational purposes during class was wild. I wasn't even mad at Hiru blasting him away for that. And just a little random thing I wanted to point out in the opening, it has this circular gauge around it with blue on one side and orange on the other. It reminded me of the health and body armor bar in Nintendo 64's Goldeneye. All my old heads will know what I'm talking about. Alright, now we get to best girl waifu and harem. Coming into the series, I was for sure just going off memory that INA was going to be best girl. Rewatching now, even though she does grow and become better, INA really pissed me off this time around. She was rude for no reason and went overboard in terms of her attitude. Sundarays are at least cute in their hate, INA just came off as annoying for the first few episodes. I'm giving the title of best girl to Yurisha. I really enjoyed her interactions with Kizuna, I liked their day date, and that he gave her revitalization to live life to the fullest. But for some reason Kizuna is always rejecting her, putting his focus on Ayane. No one in this series is waifu material in my opinion, and I wouldn't even let any of these girls in my harem. Alright, now we get to final thoughts. Hybrid Heart is the series that really introduced me to the word lewd. My philosophy with etchy content is if you remove it all, is there an engaging story? I feel with Hybrid Heart, there wasn't. The show had moments, but for the most part it was how can we make this as close to hentai as possible while calling it an actual anime. This is by far the longest time I've spent on one review for the simple fact re-watching this series was a chore. I didn't realize how dull this series was. Being objective, maybe it's because I didn't care this time around, knowing that the story would lead nowhere. If you're just looking to see nudity, this show would be for you, there's plenty of it, but if you want a decent narrative along with it, Hybrid Heart isn't going to meet that desire. Alright, that's going to be it for this week's review. Hope to catch you in the next one. Bye.